audience, thank you for coming. Please, take a seat. Master will be with you shortly. And please, enjoy the all-October Halloween. Good evening, everybody. I'm Mystery Matt, and you're listening to another Mystery Matt All-October Halloween. This evening, we are going to be covering the Salem Witch Trials. I almost screwed that up. Why do I always screw these things up? Because you're Matt. All right. Anyways, this evening, I'm joined by Nancy, Sarah, and Coleman. So, I don't know who wants to start off, but I'm going to say what I know about the Salem Witch Trials, because I know nothing about (laughs) the Salem Witch Trials. So, that'll kind of give everybody an idea what we're going to talk about. So, as far as I know, uh, Salem is a place in... Yeah, I was actually going to say Massachusetts. I just didn't want to sound like a ding-dong. Okay, so it is a place in Massachusetts. Or Massachusetts. 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 Why, if I say it three times fast, does something show up? And you are not allowed to talk off mic because you're funny when you're on mic. (laughs) So you guys got to squeeze together, you know. Nancy and I are going to get close. Well, 75% of all women are willing to make out with another woman. So, you know. one time. Even just. It happened one time. (laughs) One time at band camp. (laughs) No, it was last year's Halloween party. (laughs) That's usually when it goes down. So is that what I should Make sure that I have fresh breath then? <laughs> no, because we'll all be alcoholed. So it was a series of women that were um, accused of being witches or practicing witchcraft. I don't know. Were they all women? No, there was a few yeah, men. There okay, few there men. were... No, there's th- more than two. Oh. oh. There was four. Four men. Okay. So See, I, that's I, where I, Wikipedia is going to fail yeah, you. Yeah, that's where I got <coughs> it. Yeah, the, oldest, the youngest one was five years old. Yeah, oh, you got to be on mic too. Oh, yeah. The youngest one was five. So I think I, I kind of read what you read then, because that's what the information yeah. I got was that they, it was what, 20 people? Yes. And two were, tw- uh, two, 20 people were accused of witchcraft and 20 were executed. Um, it was more than 20 accused. On my there was 200, yeah. over 200. Over, over 200 were Sorry, accused. Sorry, I, yes, I wrote that down. It's just, I wrote the word early above it and it looped down, <laughs> so I didn't quite see the whole, t- it is 200. <laughs> it's bad when you can't read your own loopy writing. So yes, a bunch of people were accused of witchcraft and wizardry, and uh, ki- and yeah, consorting with the devil. And I believe most of them were burned. Were they not? Um, Anybody no, burned, Actually, hung. No. Um, I will tell you right now. I have my quick sheet here that has this. So there is. So burning at the stake, no one in Salem was actually burned at the stake. They were all hanged with the exception of Giles Corey, who was pressed to death. Burning at the stake was pressed more to com- death. Pressed to death. I will explain it okay. later. Um, burning at the stake was more common in Europe, mostly in Germany, Italy, Scotland, France, and Scandinavia. About 50,000 people were executed in Europe during the 15th and 18th century, or two 15th, 15th to 18th century. Most were hanged, beheaded, and then burned to prevent post-mortem sorcery, although some were burned alive, which would be excruciating. By the way, viewer's discretion. Yeah. Yeah, she just jumps into it. I just jump like, right into we're it. We're going to lob off heads and, you know. So. Yeah, so. There's a if lot you're scared, to, don't come. There, there's a lot to cover, obviously. but So, Salem is about 17 miles away from Boston. And originally, it was called Salem Town, but. They would have a portion separate, and then they would call themselves Salem Village. So Salem Town was more where wealthy um, merchants lived, making money off of shipping. Um, where 
um, they were also embracing the whole halfway covenant, the church with less strict membership than the old school church. Because back in those days, um, to get a full membership into church, which I know we don't really understand because we're not that way here. You go into church, boom, you're there. But back in those days, you had to like basically devote yourself to God. And so if you weren't completely in, you didn't get the full membership. We're halfway covenant covenant would allow you to go in even half-heartedly. So Salem Village was more agricultural-based, more farmers, and they were more isolated from Salem Town. But the community in Salem Village despised the Halfway Covenant. So that's part of the reason why they petitioned for their own meeting house, which is what they called a church back in those days. And membership in is, was much more difficult to obtain. The village residents felt the town was moving more away from God. So, um, Interesting. Yeah. Well, even when we talk about religion now, when you said about being fully devoted in order to be like, you can go to church and not be really a member of the parish, but you do need to go through, like, if you want to be a full member, you do need to go through like the baptism and the classes and all of that. You can't just show up on a Sunday and away you go. You can, (laughs) you can show up to any church and just join. But if you want to be part, to be considered part of the parish, oh, yeah, where yeah. you start going every di- every yeah. Sunday or every Saturday or whatnot, <laughs> if you want to be a part of the parish, then you would you would do your class. It depends if you're just going from like one Catholic parish to another. You've already joined the religion, so you've already been baptized. You've already done everything you're supposed to do. Yeah. Um, especially like if you were from like myself going through Catholic elementary school, we went through all the schooling and everything to become in grade eight. You become a full member. Um, but you do, if you just decided to switch from like Anglican to Catholic, there would be classes and everything involved. Wow. I didn't know there was so much uh, involved. Neither did I. I would fail all of those classes. Now, like if you just like, <clears throat> say you just showed up every Sunday, you wouldn't necessarily be part of the parish, would you? Or do you have to like do extra than just show up? Um, I don't know. Because we, we used to go to one church when I was younger, and then we just started going to this one. Because um, all of my family just kind of started going to that one. And so then we just became parish members. But that was because we were already... Like when you become a parish member, do, do they put your name on a list or something? Or? Um, so to, so I know when... for I Usually at church you give an offering. Um, but I know when you are when you are a parish member, they used to give you envelopes with your name on it, and and you would put your offering in that, and then give that, so that they would you'd get receipts for when you give donations. So then you would get that at like the end of the year. So then they do have a record of who is an yes, official parish yeah. member and who is just a member of the crowd, I guess. Yeah, because a, a church—I've never heard of a church kicking you out because you came in off the streets and you wanted to sit down and learn something. No, like, like if you're respectable and you're going in there to see what it's like to see, you know. Yeah, but everybody's the, got their own reason. The but. priests or the clergy will know kind of who they see all the time, mm. and they'll know who they see like certain days, especially like well, I live in Winona, so it's not a huge, huge community where you would get to know who's coming in and and who's staying, oh. and then. Um, I have seen the priests like afterwards go up and talk to new members or they've said during the announcements at the end, if you're a new member, please come to come to the office or we'll get you registered or stuff like that. But I know if you wanted to switch from one religion to another, there would be classes. Um, I don't know if they would make you get rebaptized because in a lot of the 
religions you already are baptized? It depends on what you were baptized as. So baptism is um, the first rite, and it's in order to exonerate or cure you of the um, original sin, which is the Adam and Eve and the nakedness, because you're born naked, right? (gasps) Oh, no. (laughs) And so that's what baptism is. It's to rid you, it's to rid you of the original sin. It's because one time a lady saw yeah penis but so like whether you're baptized in the anglican church or the protestant church or the catholic church it's still baptism under christianity for that reason so Mm. you wouldn't have to be rebaptized. now what if someone was baptized a protestant would they have to be baptized if they joined the say catholics no because it's all under the same umbrella christianity oh okay not to to interrupt this because i mean i'm probably the last person who person who should be talking about baptism and, Sorry, we, we're not and religion but um, well that's I, what the salem witch trials are it was highly religious fueled yes. so you kind of have to dip your toe into it but i was going to say before we dive back into this is that i believe that in when you become a born-again christian you have to be rebaptized or rechristened or whatever i believe that's the yeah, case some of the different religions are like yeah that. they're a lot more stricter um <clears throat> and not necessarily strict? They're not really necessarily better. Um, so in 1689, Reverend Samuel <clears throat> Paris moved his family and enslaved servants to Salem Village and became officially ordained to the church in the village. Um, Reverend Paris would refuse people's entry into his meeting house if they were halfway covenants. Because of this, he was refused payment by village supporters of halfway covenant by the village taxes and also refused firewood. So he, um, he was brought in by one of the most prominent families. I believe it was the putnams and the putnams were like the second most wealthiest family in salem village where the first ones was like the porters and the porters um were halfway covenant supporters Get a little closer um so the Stop porters the porters went supported the halfway covenant and because they were refused entry into reverend paris's meeting house they took it out on him by not paying him through the town like the village taxes and because they also own three out of the four sawmills in in Salem Town, excuse me, they refused him saw, um, firewood to keep his house warm. Wow, so they just screwed him over. Yeah, so that actually is an important detail to go to remember going forward because a lot of this is a lot of finger pointing at families that people just don't like. Oh. Yeah. So. Reverend Paris lived with his wife, three children, and his sister's 12-year-old daughter. Um, I believe, I'm not sure if this is true or not, but I thought I read somewhere that her, or Reverend Paris's niece's mom and dad were killed in an Indian battle or takeover. What do you call them? The Raids. Raids. Thank you, Coleman. <clears throat> but I'm not sure if that's true, so I kind of left it on my notes. I just kind of put it in the back of my head to just mention. Yeah, yeah. As a uh, sidebar. So I already mentioned the the families being divided, um, the, the Porters and the Putnams. So the Putnam family itself had no business dealings or connections with Salem Town, whereas the Porters did. The Porters, like I said, they owed they owned three out of the four sawmills in Salem Town, um, and they also had the largest land. They had two thousand acres, where the Putnams only had like eight hundred acres. And John Putnam and his sons, John Jr., Thomas, and Nathaniel, all hated Halfway Covenant. So the two families completely hated each other. 
Um, Thomas Putnam died in 1686, and he had been married twice. With his first wife, he had eight children, and only one with his second wife, Mary. It was believed that when Thomas died, he would leave everything to his children, but actually left everything to Mary, who only had one (coughs) child. This pissed the Putnams off, because Mary Putnam was the daughter of Israel Porter and granddaughter of William Hawthorne of Salem Town. So much of the Putnams' fortune ended up with the Porters. So you can imagine how pissed off that would have left them. Right? So... You want me to just keep going? Um. So, yeah, I'll let you keep going because you might be getting into something that I might be mentioning. Or how 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 much we got? Not much. Okay. Like, well, I have lots, but I mean, like to get into the actual stuff where we start seeing okay. afflictions. All right. So obviously, I mentioned that Salem or um, Samuel Paris, the Reverend, was brought in to preach at the meeting meeting house by the Putnams. In January of 1962, Reverend Paris's nine-year-old daughter, Elizabeth Betty Paris, and his 12-year-old niece, Abigail Williams, began exhibiting strange behaviors, such as sensations of pinches and sharp needle pricks, headaches, severe pains in their necks, and sudden outbursts, which they refer to as the fits. They didn't really go into specific which these fits were. They just said fits. I don't know. That just means like shaking and screaming and shit. Who knows? Could have been seizures for all we know. It could have been. Um, so on February 24th, 1692, Dr. William Griggs gave the diagnosis of Betty Paris and Abigail Williams of being at the hands of evil when all other and traditional remedies and even prayer did not cure them. Oh, prayer didn't cure them. No. So, so, it, so it has to be evil? <laughs> so wait, that's that's counterproductive. Well, so I think we need to just remember that back in the day, the church had huge amount of pull so it was the church ran government they ran everything and so that if you didn't follow like it was just all religion based yeah yeah oh i get that part but like oh i lost my train of thought even in modern day religion we you pray for people you pray for them to get better yeah which to me is it's the the expectation of that alone they know that they know that in today's modern religions that that's not going to necessarily make that person well they're just giving them maybe more comfort and safe passage to wherever they may be going if that so you're telling me that if i smack you on the forehead you're not going to be healed yeah <laughs> actually but i think that's fucking counterproductive <laughs> we'd be like ow you. fuck me <laughs> <laughs> you're healed fuck so <laughs> They say... This is why Nancy and I are bad together. They, they tried to pray over it. Now, this is the thing. So, for example, an exorcism. If there's an exorcism that needs to be done, you call a priest, right? Kind of textbook. That's what you're supposed to do. Well, if they've already prayed over it and done that kind of thing over it and then determine that it's evil, isn't the God part supposed to fix the evil part and then therefore you would have already fixed the problem? Kind of tricky when they they look at stuff because it's automatically anything that's evil is the devil and you know you've done something to bring the devil in or or give the devil devil a like a like a backdoor key or something pretty much and so that's what it was but I mean also if you look at modern day medicine it's nothing they had nothing So, I mean, a doctor would be like, okay, well, this root isn't working. This plant isn't working. Okay, well, it must be evil. And I I was listening on one of the YouTube documentaries, (laughs) and it said that 
the what the girl they looked at the fits and it said that it was what they were explaining what was happening was a, similar to a bacteria that they found in rye br- in yeah. rye bread. Ergot. Yes. Yeah. Ergot, yeah. What was it called again? Ergot poisoning. It's a, par- it's a parasite that affects grains, small grains. Yep. And we use it to make LSD. Yes. So that would have had some effect. And, and animals and other things have been subjected to this before and have these crazy episodes. Yes. And because they didn't know what that was, they would think it was evil. Yeah. Because they wouldn't see this in every day. And they had no idea about parasites, bacterium, nothing, nothing like that. No. And I mean, like... But they did the they did debunk it, saying that they should have died. If you ha- if they had this poisoning, they should have died. But then again, you're looking back how many hundreds of years to like guess. Yeah, so it could have been it could have been different no back then. Yeah, there's no way to know. But they did say that that was high. Cor- Sorry, switch. No, 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 that's perfect. I'm actually glad you guys brought up the ergot poisoning because I was going to. I had it on my quick notes. So. Just to kind of talk about a little bit of the girls here, sometimes, like sometime before Betty, Paris, and Abigail Williams fell ill and started the witchcraft accusations, Betty's father, Reverend Samuel Paris, had done a sermon on demons and witches. The girls also fooled around with sorcery or seances and fortune telling, and they had access to a book in Reverend Paris's library written by close friend Reverend Cotton Mather about demons and witches. He went into detail about a case in Boston involving Anne Glover. She was an Irish born Gaelic speaking Roman Catholic woman. Yes. I... Um, she was accused, tried, and convicted of being a witch in 1688 and was executed by hanging and would be the last accused witch to be executed in Boston. Mather describes in detail in his book the afflictions bewitched on Glover's employer's children. So these these kids had access to that. So who's to say that they didn't just say, well, I don't like this person or I need attention or something and do this. So the accusations you have to take with a grain of salt. Yeah. There is a lot of talk that this was a lot of done out of jealousy. I was just going to say, because children were not, exactly. they were born was, to be workers. Exactly. To help so, you, they weren't out of, let's have children and have a nice, lovely family. It yeah. was, let's have kids so we have free labor. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, is that this was pitting people against each other. And all they had to do was go, you're a witch, Sarah. Yes. And your whole life would be ruined. Yeah. Um, but with, what was her name again that you just brought up? Abigail, no. Oh, the, well, the good, good, yeah. Um, Anne Glover. Yeah, so um, they said that she was a witch because they, no matter how many times they tried to get her to say the Lord's Prayer, she couldn't do it. Because she only spoke Gaelic. Right, but apparently, oh, that, because Sarah, you don't you speak English. It's, Sarah said because they only spoke Gaelic. That's why they couldn't finish the Lord's Prayer. Yes. Yeah, we, we needed that. Yeah, I had to get that back in. Sorry, that was important. <laughs> um it's also that sorry oh yeah take it back the high level of of ignorance and ignorance being just the, uh, not knowing and so the the level of ignorance that they would have had like nowadays if you said well you know um sarah you speak you know you speak spanish and you can't say the lord's prayer in english so you're a witch we would be looked at like we're fucking bonkers Okay, so were there any accounts of anybody seeing anything that could be classified as witchcraft? No. No, there's nothing cool. No, 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 no evidence that floating. Could be they have based um the girls have pointed out that specters or the ghosts of some of these witches 
like their spirit leaves their body, visits them. They call it spectral evidence, and we will see a lot of that. But that, of course, cannot be proven by scientific means. And later, uh, I believe it's Cotton Mather's father, Increase Mather, who, who pleaded with them to stop <coughs> relying solely on spectral evidence. So, but we'll get onto that. So, also, Betty, oh, wait. So, on February 25th, Mary Sibley, who was a neighbor, um, this tells the servant's husband, I believe the servant's name was Tichiba, yeah. and her husband's name was John? John, I think. I think so. I didn't write his name down, um, to make witch cakes. So that's basically taking urine from the cursed girls in rye flour and feed it to a dog. Yep. If the dog exhibits the same affliction that these girls have, then it's witchcraft, and that dog will also lead them to the witch who yes. w- bewitched them. Oh, that reminds me of Monty Python. If it floats, then it must weigh the same as a duck, and if it weighs the same as a duck, it's a witch. Or, like, if, or something, something like that. that. Yeah. Witches don't sink. Yeah, witches, yeah, don't, witches sink, don't sink, you know. Which I'm very buoyant, just FYI. Most people are. My, yes. my butt makes me float to the top right away. <laughs> um, so they they had this, so they did this, and I don't know what the outcome of that was. Uh, but Elizabeth Hubbard, who lived with Dr. Griggs, started exhibiting symptoms similar to Betty and Abigail, and Anne Putnam Jr. also developed the same symptoms. Um, <clears throat> Betty and Abigail pointed finger to the Paris's enslaved servant, servant Tichuba, to being a witch. And the next day, Anne Putnam and Elizabeth Hubbard accuses Sarah Good, who was a homeless mother and beggar, and Sarah Osborne. Uh, Sounds like the population's dropping in a hurry. Or about to drop in a hurry. Sorry, they did also say that the girls would, uh, those girls that were, um, had these fits also did a lot of, I guess it would be like a version of our modern day Ouija board yes, um, with egg, egg, <coughs> eggs and water, which you, you can still do. Um, and it's supposed to, the egg yolk moves in a certain way. And that's supposed to tell you something. Cool. It so, is. We should do it one day. Yeah. So, so that would be an example of something that we would consider witchcrafty. So is there um, any other things like that? No. Not really. No, just like dropping an <laughs> egg, and if it floats this way, they, then it yeah. means you're going to be pregnant really by Thursday. Detail about the certain tests uh, that they the egg do. Thing is, if your egg floats, it's fresh. If it sinks to the bottom, it means it's bad. Well, no, you crack the egg in the water, and oh. you watch the egg yolk. Oh, so the egg, the egg yolk yeah. will stay as long as you don't break it when you crack it. It's the whites because the whites will start to move within the water and start separating, and so you watch it, and it, the different way that the yolk goes can tell you different things like tea leaves leaves, um i've seen people do that with matchsticks or toothpicks yeah Yeah. but even like back in the day when you would mix they didn't consider it super they didn't consider it witchcraft but they considered it superstition where you know you had the the sewing needle on a string (laughs) over the pregnant woman's belly oh yeah to figure out whether she was having a boy or or a girl or the necklace test yeah a lot of it is is superstition as opposed opposed to being like witchcraft but basically they were saying that the egg yolk thing that the girls were doing was just comparison to like comparing to like our modern day ouija board which i hope to god you got rid of oh yeah it's gone oh thank god oh yeah it's gone we threw it out in the dumpster have fun dump um for that (laughs) so based (laughs) dump becomes haunted (laughs) typical man i paid for that 
So, based on the four girls' accusations, Tichuba, Sarah Good, and Sarah Osborne were arrested and questioned the next day by John Hawthorne and Jonathan Corwin, two local magistrates. So, Tichuba confesses <coughs> and names Good and Osborne as witches. Sarah Osborne claims her innocence, and Sarah Good says she's innocent, but Osborne and Tichuba are witches. So, so much finger pointing. Like, I don't even know what you make of that. Like, oh, I'm you're a witch. No, you're a witch. I'm innocent. I'm not a witch, but... Same thing as name-calling nowadays. Yeah, it's like, you're a bitch. No, you're a bitch. You know, like, you stupid, see you next Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. I said it first. Yeah. So, between March 6th and September 16th, more than 200 people were accused of witchcraft, and 30 people were found guilty. Um, On May 27th, seven judges were appointed to the court of Oyer and Terminer by Governor Sir William Phipps. Um, They would oversee the trials, which... Uh, convenes their first session on June 2nd. Same, or some men and women were simply accused by the girls who were afflicted, like Betty Paris, Abigail Williams, Anne Putnam Jr., Elizabeth Hubbard, Mercy Lewis, Mary Warren, Mary Walcott, just to name a few, who doubted, who would doubt them or spoke out on behalf of the. So, so what time period is medieval time? Uh, I don't think this. 1400. Yeah, this was after that. And, and, and we're just. Starting into like 17. Yes. Yeah. 1692. 92. That's what I'm saying. So we're almost at 17. We can add a couple of years because it probably lasted a bit. No. No? No. No. Um, so because of the wow. lot of finger pointing and stories made up against people who had wronged them, um, not just their so-called afflicted girls, um, the introduction of spectral evidence was brought in. And I already spoke about that, how um, it... Basically, the spirit of the, the supposed <laughs> witch visited them and tried to make them do shit. So, I have my my notes kind of all over the place at this point because I tried to break them up into the prominent players to kind of give you, like, rundowns. So, on June 3rd, the 71-year-old Rebecca Nurse, who was an avid churchgoer and respected member of the community, was indicted by a grand jury. Nurse was accused by Abigail Williams on March 19th, who claimed Nurse tried to force her to sign the devil's book. On April 3rd, Rebecca Nurse's sister, Sarah Cloyce, defended her sister, which resulted in her being accused, too. Mary Eastie, another sister, is brought in on April 21st because she defended her sisters. So that shows you there's obviously um, a vengeance type thing. Oh, no, I'm right. So you're a witch, too. Like, it's very childish. Everything's based on childish accusations. But, yeah. Um, June 8th, Bridget Bishop is tried, convicted, and sentenced to hang. This would be her third time being accused, as Bridget was first accused in 1679, but the charges were dropped. But then again, in 1687, she was accused, but this time she was acquitted. However, the third time was not so nice. Two days after her conviction, Bridget Bishop would be led up to the gallows in front of the entire town and be the first to hang in these trials. Can you imagine that, though? Like, can you imagine that being like, well... Fuck, here we go again. Yeah. What do I got to do now? Yeah, All right, well. Yeah, like what, third times? Like, that's that's ridiculous. Yeah. And she would, she was an avid church gro- yeah. goer? and a yeah. respected member of the community. So who was accusing her? Just like random people? The kids. Peop- the the kids. kids. Then why listen to the kids? Kids are dumb. <laughs> Especially these kids. Agreed. <laughs> you know. I, I agree. So on June 29th, Sarah Good, Rebecca Nurse, Elizabeth Howe, Susanna Martin, and Sarah Wilds were all tried, but only Rebecca Nurse was not was found not guilty. The rest were not only guilty, but sentenced to hang. 
But Rebecca Nurse wouldn't be let off so easily. Her accusers and trial spectators protested loudly and had her conviction overturned, and she was then sentenced to death. Sarah Good, who was one of the first three arrested, had a baby who died in jail while awaiting trial, and and her four- or five-year-old daughter, Dorcas, who was also accused of witchcraft, was arrested and examined on March 24th. And this four- or five-year-old gives these answers that apparently get interpreted as a confession. I'm sorry, what was the one girl's name? Dorcas. All right. In some places, it's written down as Dorothy, but Four- or five-year-old? Four or five. Are there ones that are accusing? No, she was accused. Yeah, the youngest one was five years old. And was accused she of was accused of witchcraft. How? I don't know. And her, her answers to the questions were interpreted as a confession. She doesn't know what she's saying. Five years old. She's five. River walk around saying yabba dabba do. Like, for fuck's sake. You know what I mean? Like, A, B, C, D. Lord of fire. <laughs> <laughs> like, how? Yeah. That doesn't make any damn sense. Okay. But when you None look. When you look at religion, it's fear-based. Yes. And so a lot of it is like if you don't come to church and you don't give you don't give your contribution and you don't go to confession and you don't take part and you don't help and, and be part of the parish and the community, then you're going to hell. And hell is this horrible place and you know, you you're but stuck in there for went. eternity. Hmm? But she went to church. Why are you yes. Nurse? Well, no, what a lot of it is fear-based. So a lot of it could be the church doing this to make to to make people give more money and and give more time and and give more to the church because they that that's what that that's what church is it's, that's it's fear dirty based pool. you need to come and repent or you're going to hell and remember they were also fighting against this halfway covenant where it was more not they were getting way further away from god where um Samuel Paris's church was going back to the old school way of god is god 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 so that was kind of against a lot of people. They just wanted more people. So what Nancy's saying about fear base makes sense. Well, the Puritans at that time wanted to also <laughs> create a theocracy. They wanted to create a, the- a theocracy under the rule of God. And people balked at that because they left the religious persecution of Europe to come here. Well, the States, not so much here. But that's what their whole goal was to set up this country under the name of God. But they were still under British rule. Yes, they were still on up until Britain had the Civil War. And Some of the research that I did, too, had said that around this time they were still at war with the Indians when they had come. Like the natives, they had come and, and taken the, the English settlers had come and taken their land. And so they were fighting with them and they were fighting with um, the other settlers and trying to establish their own place. And what better way to get people to come to your church when they say we're under the crook of the devil, right? You terrify people into yep. that, right? I mean, my mother was raised a Baptist who believed that if she didn't do this stuff, she was going to burn in hell for eternity. And she remembers being six years old, terrified that she was going to go to hell. Yeah. That's what religion does. It gets you yeah. so indoctrinated into this religious fervor. You can't see any other way. So when these great leaders come to you and say, she's a witch, well, it must be true. Yeah, because it was all fear-based. Yeah. But even now, like, I'll walk into church, and I don't go to church often, but I grew up in Catholic school, Catholic elementary school. And I'll sit there, and I'm I'm saying everything that I'm supposed to say because it's so ingrained until you stop and go, shit, what am I saying? 
And like, you just kind of stop for a minute. But when you're kids, it's, you know, you go to confession and, and, you know, you, oh, I, I yelled back at my mom. Okay. You need to go do five Hail Marys. And because it's one of the 10 commandments. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it, yep. I don't think it should be a commandment. I think it should just be, you know, respect your other people, respect of other people, respect of people's property in general. I think that's a moral thing that we should just have commonsensical, like commonsensically, but obviously in the Bible, it's like, hey, no, this is a sin if you don't. But our laws are based off the Ten Commandments. Mm, yes. If you look at it. Yeah. All right. So Except the, for the first three. So. Okay, so this one gets really complicated. The Proctor family are also hated by the Putnams. On March 6th, Anne Putnam Jr. blames Elizabeth Proctor for her affliction. And on March 26th, Mercy Lewis accuses Elizabeth Proctor, who is pregnant and is the mother to five other children, of afflicting her through her specter. On March 29th, Abigail Williams also accuses Elizabeth Proctor and claims she saw John Proctor's specter. On May 21st, daughter of Elizabeth and John, Sarah Proctor, and Elizabeth's sister-in-law, Sarah Bassett, are also accused. Okay, was that the specters they're seeing are of the people who are still alive? Yes. So they're going out of their bodies to haunt haunt them in dreams or what have you. And that's what is being That's what's entering as evidence. Wow. Yeah. Nowadays it would be called out. I smoke pot. Nowadays it would be considered like you would consider it to like astral projection. Yes. Yeah. But in an evil kind of I'm going to torment you kind of way. Yeah, because it was believed that the witches um, signed their soul over to the devil. Ah. And the devil was working through the witches. Hence the devil's book. Yeah. Wow. So on May 23rd, Benjamin Proctor, John's son, and Elizabeth's stepson is accused. May 28, accusations and an arrest of William Proctor, another son of John and Elizabeth, happened. On June 30th, testimony against John and Elizabeth Proctor is heard. On John 20, Ju- bleh, July 23rd, John writes to a group of ministers in Boston about his concerns and asks for help. This group is led by Reverend Increase Mather, who is Cotton Mather's father. And Cotton was also a reverend. And prior to the witch trials, he had published the book, which detailed the so-called afflictions of, on, like, brought on by the witches. Reverend Increase Mathers calls a meeting on August 1st to raise issues that come from John Proctor's letter. On August 5th, the trial juries convict and sentence to death John Proctor, John Willard, and Elizabeth Proctor, who will have a stay of execution until she's given birth. But she will face, they all face, face the death penalty, or I guess it's the death penalty back then. On August 19th, John Proctor, along with Reverend George Burroughs, George Jacobs Sr., John Willard, and Martha Carrier are hanged at the gallows. Luckily, Elizabeth and the other accused Proctors will be released eventually when this slows down, as, as well as a very young dork is good. So she doesn't get hanged or anything, the little girl. So yeah, the Proctors really had a big target on their back. So I don't know what they did to piss off the Putnam family, um, but they must have done something. On July 19th, Sarah Good, Rebecca Nurse, Elizabeth Howe, Susanna Martin, and Sarah Wilds are executed by hanging. Sarah Good curses clergyman nicholas noise if you take away my life god will give you blood to drink years later nicholas noise unexpectedly dies hemorrhaging from the mouth oh wow yeah i thought that was a neat little tidbit to throw in there i'm like good job sarah so, and by the way how so, come all of these witches are named sarah so <laughs> she literally used god's name back on them instead of the name of a demon or satan or what have you and ended up God's like, yeah, I can help you out there. 
<laughs> so here's the thing, right? In Wicca, in, or in paganism in itself, it's the main cardinal rule is do no harm or get back three times worse. That's actually Wiccan as well. Yeah. Well, I said Wiccan paganism. Right? Yeah. So yeah. If you do something bad to somebody, it'll come back to you three times worse. Yes. And it's this pagan too, right? Because yeah. Wicca is part of pagan. <clears throat> um, but yes, that <clears throat> that clearly happened to this clergyman who was responsible for yeah. the hanging. I don't think hemorrhaging from the mouth would be all that pleasant. No, yeah, but he probably had bad teeth to begin with. Probably. They were uh, British Lots descent, of them, they right? didn't have all good teeth. <laughs> so Martha and Giles Corey are complete opposite people. Martha is a respected member of the community and avid churchgoer, while her husband Giles is a respected and hardworking farmer, but is kind of a dick. Um, and he isn't very well liked. So one thing they did have in common was that they did not believe in witchcraft, and Giles' solution was beating the girls out of their problems. <laughs> Both were outspoken against these accusations, so no surprise when in March, both were accused. Mary Warren says she'd seen Giles Corey's specter, while both Anne Putnam Jr. and Abigail Williams claimed they saw Martha Corey's specter. Abigail claims that she saw Martha sitting in the rafters at church suckling on a yellow bird, while the actual Martha Corey was sitting in a pew not far away. On March 24th, Martha Corey is arrested, and April 14th, Mercy Lewis claims Giles Corey's Corey appeared to get her to sign the devil's book. He's arrested April 18th. Martha Corey is tried, convicted, and sentenced to death. And on September 9th, Giles Corey does not enter a plea. He remains silent. He's smart enough to know that no matter what plea he enters, whether not guilty or guilty, his land will be taken from his family, leaving his children with nothing, and it's most likely going to go to the Putnams. But if he stays silent, and dies naturally or is tortured to death, his children will be able to keep his land and his fortune. So on September 19th, and this is the worst thing I think ever, Giles Corey refuses to enter his plea, and the sheriff, George Corwin, who is related to Jonathan Corwin, I think they're brothers, walks him out to the field, makes him lie down on his back, places planks of wood over him, and then proceeds to pile heavy rocks on top of him. And instead of pleading, Giles just says, more weight. So just before he dies, Giles Corey looks at Sheriff and says, Damn you, I curse you in Salem. Giles Corey was the only accused who was pressed to death. Three days later, Martha Corey, Mary Eastie, Alice Parker, Mary Parker, and Pudiator will not read, or sorry, will not read. Margaret Scott and Samuel Wardwell were all hanged. And they would be the last hangings to take place. Hold on. Uh, kind of, sort of, not really, but well, I'm done with the actual deaths. Well, we're at 38 minutes. Okay, so I'll, I'll f- go through this fast. So these, um, on October 3rd, it, Reverend Increase Matters denounces the court case <coughs> of spectral evidence, and five days later, um, Governor Sir William Phipps writes the Privy Council in England announcing the end of the witch trials. And on October 29th, he orders to stop all future arrests and orders that some of the accused be released. The court of Oyer and Terminer is dissolved. The releases of many and pardons for others came through 1693 to 1694. The end of the trials doesn't stop there because so much damage damage to the lives of the families of the executed, the accused, who walk free, and so much more. Even the um, reputations of the accusers. Reverend Samuel Parris, Cotton Mather, and John Hawthorne, to, to name few. If you know, John Hawthorne brought shame to his ancestors for the role that he played. He was the great-great-grandfather of acclaimed writer Nathaniel Hawthorne, who changed his the way his last name was spelled to distance himself. 
Charles Corey's curse on the sheriff and the, and the town of Salem may have held lasting effects. Sheriff George Corman died four years later in 1696 of a heart attack. He's like 30 years old, apparently. Many sheriffs since then died young from heart problems or blood diseases. It is said that before any tragedy befalls the town or a person, Giles Corey's ghost is seen in the graveyard pointing towards the gallows where the hangings took place. He, he's allegedly seen doing this just before the Great Fire of Salem in 1914. In 1697, the Massachusetts General Court declares January 14th a day of reflection and fasting. Some restitutions were paid to the survivors or the families of the executed. None of the accused were found guilty on actual evidence. They were convicted, sentenced to death, and executed on the word of children, hearsay evidence, and baseless profiling. We see this even in the 21st century. So there was 19 people hanged, 13 women, 6 men, and 1 was pressed to death. Wow. Wow. Now I'm done. Craziness. We still kill witches today in Africa and Asia. Oh, I'm sure. Really? Oh, yeah. And with the things going down in the States, I wouldn't be surprised if it starts up again. Oh, exactly. So, note to self, don't go to the States. Yeah. So, witchcraft and stuff like that, that's when it really went boom, right? People started to pay all kinds of attention to it. When did it start turning into like spells and she turned me into a newt and like, yeah, you know, two women found frolicking in a field and one of them was floating six feet above the ground kind of thing, you know, that kind of thing. I think that's just like superstitions and stories over the years. Um, I wanted to know. How does how did the the Salem witch trials affect how things are today? And I found this blurb, and it said because of the Salem witch trials, uh, the Salem witch trials contributed to changes in court procedures, which including <coughs> included instituting rights to legal representation, cross examination of the accusers, and the presumption that one is innocent until proven guilty. I thought that was kind of it was neat. yeah. Instead of, no, you're just possessed. See ya. Why? Because someone saw your ghost. Well, that was kind of like or the like start. Or like if you're in China, you're considered guilty, but you have to plead your case to prove that you're innocent. <clears throat> just in the West, do we have this, you're presumed innocent until until proving guilty. But even today, you have to look at the fact that That's a, lo- a lot of that. the times when you go into court as a defendant or the, as the so-called offender who's being tried the media has already made you the media has already made you out to be guilty and so you see the community and that that's affected from your crime rallying against you no matter what and we're going to see that again come coming up in one of our true crimes that we're going to kick off season eight with we're going to see that very heavily actually and it's almost i think this is perfect timing to do the salem witch trials because it kind of ties in with the next case we're going to do a little bit because there's there's that gang and mob mentality against people who are probably innocent social panic and you see that so much and especially in high profile cases today you let's say oj simpson was innocent i don't think he is but let's say he was and he he is innocent by the view of the court but people got so involved in that case because of the high profile person who was being accused and indicted that everybody just assumes that he's guilty. I, I honestly do think he was, but I don't think he was alone either. Um, 
but you can say the same thing about um, any cases. How many cases have there been where innocent people have been convicted and died because they were given the death penalty? You know, and it's way from too many cases, cases to count. Way to too be many. honest, you know, and because evidence back then, the scientific reaches weren't as good as they are today. So a lot of cases are being, like, oh shit, that guy's innocent. Too bad we executed him ten years ago. Um, but they're clearing his name still. But does that help him? No, and it doesn't help these women and men who died. Maybe some of them did dabble in witchcraft. It kind of sounds like some people had some uh, pull. But, but, like, well, but it doesn't make them evil. Like, I I was hoping there was actually, like, you hear the witch trials. Well, it should have been called the ghost trials because that seems to be what they were basing everything on, these dreams they were having about specters and ghosts coming to them and stuff like that. So, like, I was expecting, you know, like I said, you know, uh, like even a cauldron making a, a potion or something like that. But, no, it, it's way more basic and... And mob mentality and fear based. Yeah. But even witchcraft, like, so to me, you need to believe something in order for it, believe in something in in order for it to work. So if you're practicing witchcraft, it's not at the hands of the devil. It's, you know, you are doing spells and, but if it's the do no harm, a lot of like the beginning of every month is I blow cinnamon through my doors because it's supposed to bring abundance and it, that's, you know, the certain witchcraft isn't based in evil or anything. But when anything is different than the masses, they automatically go to it's evil. <clears throat> wow. I think it's a manifestation of what you believe in any, it, not necessarily witchcraft alone, but in any day situation. Some people who don't, who are very religious will make dream boards and they're like, I'm going to manifest this. I want this to happen. And maybe it'll happen for them. It doesn't mean that it's witchcraft. It doesn't mean that it's evil. It just means that you believe so heavily in something. Even if you believe so heavily in God, you're going to manifest him and your heaven is going to be what you believe it is. So when you die, maybe that's where you go. Your view that you created of heaven. If I was to create a view of heaven, it would be my family that I miss and all the dogs ever (laughs) you know but i don't believe in that i don't believe in heaven or hell i don't really believe i believe in evil but not in the religious sense so to speak right yeah i believe that men are probably more evil than anything not men men but like humans yes thank you (laughs) and i think when it comes to like for me i believe in the, the use of crystals people think i'm crazy they're just fucking pretty rocks but I find that when I hold an amethyst, for example, I feel so much calmer and more relaxed and less stressed. I really need to carry that more. Um, I mean, the one thing I can say is that each different material does vibrate mm-hmm. on a different frequency. So if you do find one that like vibrates at your frequency, then there's technically nothing wrong with keeping that in your pocket. The way that I look at you it, know. how many of you as children would pick up a rock or play with rocks and then all of a sudden there was one that you decided to keep? That's because it resonated with you. That's because, it, like Matt said, it vibrated Ooh, with this you. Shiny. Yeah. Ooh. But it may not have been just the shine that did it. It might have been something else that you just, as a child, didn't understand or didn't everything, grasp. Everything holds energy. Everything holds energy. Plants hold energy. Animals hold energy. Air holds energy. You yourself have a magnetic field inside of you that holds energy and it connects to something. So, but because back then, if you were to say this kind of stuff, <laughs> you were a witch. <laughs> And it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the stereotypical witch that you see um, 
projected at Halloween, you know, with the pointy hat and the nose with the wart on it, or in Hansel and Gretel where they boil children. It those aren't very tasty. FYI. We we got to get into Wicca and stuff then oh, if we yeah. want spells and things, right? Yeah, I would love to do that. Okay, well, but, we'll yeah. we'll think about for the future. Anyways, I've been Mystery Matt. Thank you very much for joining us this evening on this all October Halloween episode. Have a good evening.